We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Alex Hurst here. Just a little bit of a note. We recorded this podcast in full minutes before the club released a statement saying that the attempt to buy Newcastle United by the consortium led by Amanda Staveley had been failed by the Premier League and they're fairly... Uh, explosive statement after that we will react to that in coming days on our patron feed um but today's podcast was recorded in advance of that so craig does talk about the takeover quite a lot it was ahead of this and i just thought it would be fair to let everyone know ahead of listening thanks for listening and enjoy the show it's the true faith newcastle united it's yet another season preview season 2021 you've got alex hurst charlotte robson mark corby and special guest from the Daily Mail, Craig Hope, to take us through what's gone on in pre-season and what may be happening as we start playing football once again from Saturday night. Great to see you all, Craig. You first. How's your summer been? You okay? Yeah, not bad. Uh, a challenge. I think we entered survival mode a long time ago with uh, a wife and, and two kids. But uh, yeah, listen, it was it was good to be back covering games when we were. I think uh, the lockdown was, was frustrating for obvious reasons, but covering football in an empty stadium, the, the novelty soon more off, to be honest with you, and without fans, it does have a very a very soulless feeling. I think the news in the last 24 hours that we've probably pressed, pressed pause in terms of getting supporters back into stadiums is a, is a bit of a blow, really. Uh, so, yeah, listen, we've got football to enjoy. We can watch it on the telly. I'm lucky enough to be one of the, the few who's allowed into grounds. Uh, but, yeah, I think we're all just hoping for that, that day when we can get fans back in there. It really makes you... I was saying this this morning that it actually it really makes you appreciate that Saturday at three o'clock Felix and James's Park. That there's just so much promise of of a, of a football match ahead of you. I mean, fair enough. Come five past three, it's normally disappeared. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just that that, that promise of a, a night out afterwards with your mates, sort of dissecting what's gone on before. And from my point of view, you've got your reporter writing, your your Sunday reporter writing. It's just it's just that excitement is is gone that's made me realise really how much I, I really appreciated it. But yeah, listen, we're, we're back in a room talking football, so here we go again. Yeah, it's not all bad. Mark, good to see you in the flesh for the first time in, well, probably since lockdown, actually. It will be, mate. Uh, you looking forward to the new season? Where are you at with it? Um, a lot more positive than I was this time last week. Obviously, signing players, uh, you know, always cheers everyone up. Um, we'll obviously go into them in more detail, I would imagine, but I don't know. Um, you know, my thoughts on Steve Bruce. Uh, we've had a, you know, a pretty poor... Um, calendar year um, he's still for me not the man to take us forward but obviously with the takeover 
or no takeover over the summer. It's, it's just had we all in a little bit uh, limbo. So, um, but I'm certainly more optimistic or looking forward to it than I was this time last week. That's for sure. Charlotte, same question. You are going to be here in the city of Newcastle this week. I am, yeah. So you're here for a home game. Unfortunately, we can't go. Uh, are you excited for the new season? It's a, it's an away game. It is an away game. <laughs> They're all it's all the same now. <laughs> it's all, it's all the same. Um, yeah, I'm. We're um, Blackburn on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, I'll be gone by then. Um, I am excited. Actually, I'm really excited. I really miss it. I, it was weird watching it on the telly. I I put the supporter sound on. I had to have something. I don't know. It was just too weird. It being echoey without. But um, no, I'm really looking forward to it being back. I think you know, as Mark says, we probably will get into the transfers, and that sort of um, galvanised me a little bit more. Um, but um, I just really miss it being on the telly and watching it. I've been lost. <laughs> You've been lost. <laughs> um, I'm I'm delighted it's back. You know, we wouldn't yeah. be sat here now, would we're talking about it if it wasn't back. You people at home wouldn't be listening. And for the first time in a long time, Craig, uh in fact, you know, I can't even think back to the last time we had such a, a promising transfer window in, in a in a Premier League season anyway. Mm. Um the fan base seems to be relatively content heading into the new season. Can you think of a of a better transfer window in, in recent memory for you? I mean, there was the, the Rafa summer going into the championship where I thought they, they backed Rafa with what he wanted. But certainly in terms of letting the manager identify his targets, letting the manager pursue his targets, and then crucially getting those targets, quote, over the line, it, it feels fairly unprecedented in terms of recent times. In, in terms of what I think of the signings, now listen, you compare the, the mood to what it was seven days ago after that that 5-1 defeated Borough where you only had Jeff Hendrick in and the names of Wilson and, and Lewis and Fraser were only just sort of being talked about really and you probably didn't have massive confidence that the, the club would deliver and there was a real negative feel after the Middlesbrough game. I remember speaking to somebody who was there and he said, listen, he said that they're, they're fighting amongst each other. This isn't good. They were, they were bickering on the field. They spent the first 60 minutes against Borough without a centre forward on the pitch and you thought... Wow, this 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 really is desperate, and I, I I feared for them. I did, and I sat down with Steve Bruce today, and I said, it just shows what what seven days can do. Really, uh, we knew we we had an audience with Steve this weekend a week ago. I was thinking of sort of the questions in terms of what we'd be asking him, and it was all negative. Where, where's Joe Linton? You know, you haven't got a centre forward. You haven't got a line, Andy Carroll. And and today we went along to the training ground. We walked in, and Steve walks in with Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, and, and Jamal Lewis, and. It's just lifted the negativity and drawn a line under what was a, a very turbulent summer for obvious reasons. And, and what I like about the signings is, and the, the nature of them is, it removes excuses. It removes excuses for the players, for the management, for the, the, the hierarchy at the club, for journalists, for supporters, for whoever. There's no reason now to say that a hangover from the takeover is to reason for, for results being bad at the start of the season. Uh, I think they're, they're good signings, I do, I think. Uh, but we've also got to remember as well that what they were needed without these signings. Let's not think Newcastle United have gone above and beyond here and have, have suddenly started shooting for the top six. They haven't. Without the players they've brought in, Newcastle probably would have been in a, in, a, in, a, in a very real relegation fight. And I do think there's been a little overreaction in terms of the, the level of joy. I'm a little surprised in terms of the that level of, of gratefulness really among supporters that these these players have chosen to come to this football club. They should be coming to Newcastle United. These three players, don't forget, were, were relegated from the Premier League last season. Let's not 
you know, we're not taking players from the from the top six here. Uh, that's not a takeaway from them being good signings. But at the same time, Newcastle United should be going out and getting Callum Wilson and, and Ryan Fraser. So, see, yeah, listen, the good signings they've uh, they've lifted the mood, but they were also needed to to stave off a, what I think would have been a, a relegation fight. And still, might be. Let's see how it plays out. Oh, I'm not going to accept that might yet. After the first game, maybe. Um, two things. One. Um, it just occurred to me, do you think that the um, Middlesbrough result and performance maybe was, I know that um, Wilson and Fraser and, and people were, were in the mix before that, but do you think that helped get them over the line because it was so bad and we didn't have a centre forward or anyone, it was like, oh, actually, this is going to be quite bad. Yeah, possibly. Listen, some, in a perverse sort of way, these things sometimes have a, have a habit of accelerating business you know if Steve Bruce was making his case for uh for signings to begin with before the Middlesbrough game all he had to do was go and present the, the DVD that 90 minutes to, to Lee Charnley and all of a sudden you, you you're pressing sort of fast forward on these deals yes in, in a roundabout way I, I, I suppose it could have done but it comes back to the point that they they were need they were needed it, it, but they still listen they've, they've brought Callum Wilson in and it's a good signing but Beneath, it still is a fragile situation. An injury to Wilson still probably leaves you without a centre forward because we might come on to Joe Linton in a in a little bit. But you know, it's Joe Linton just cannot be counted on for anything. We, we've had a season's a body's worth of evidence now over the course of a season, and they're not going to write Joe Linton off. But I think in terms of relying on him to do anything in the Premier League to keep you in the in the division, I think you you just can't do that. Andy Carroll, listen, he's had a, he's had a good pre season, but he's but he's Andy Carroll. Dwight Gale's out for for three to four months now, probably until Christmas. So, so yeah, there's a lot of pressure on, on Wilson in terms of that. But, listen, he's, he's what's he, 28-year-old. He scored seven, eight goals last season. Uh, I spoke to him today, actually. I said, listen, it was only 18 months ago. You were being linked with sort of £40 million moves to, to Chelsea and Spurs and all the rest of it. Uh, so, yeah, listen, it's a, it's a good signing, but it was also needed, and let's just see where we go with it. Yeah, and then I also just wanted to sort of, I don't know, um corroborate that I think that's the wrong word um because if you think about these are two players the two from Bournemouth who in fact all three of them have come from teams that have been relegated and I think that conversations it it for me I'm, I'm choosing to put an optimistic lens on it and say that the conversations that got them to Newcastle suggest to me that this isn't a season where we're just going to be in another relegate or that's not the goal anyway I know it's never the goal but this is a, a serious we're seriously not going to be in a relegation battle because those players are really unlikely to want to be there again surely so that's how I'm choosing to view them coming to us yeah well no no player wants to be in a, in, in a relegation battle and I certainly think they've they've strengthened and, and one thing I will go back to is I never thought Newcastle did have a, have a bad squad to be honest with you a lot of my criticism of the team last season which which was well documented I never really came out and said this is an awful squad with bad players my my problem my frustration was I thought they should have been doing better yeah. I really didn't I think the a lot of the noises about the players being limited or only being capable of certain things I thought I thought well no that's wrong actually if you put these players in a, in a certain formation a certain system with certain instruction they can be a lot better than what they actually what they actually were proven, and it showed after the little tweak to formation just before lockdown that things that things did pick up really so I think there's a, a, a core, a good British core there. I think there's good characters, and having sat down with Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser today, I think they've added two very good characters to that group as well. Really erudite, uh, switched on, considered uh, uh, guys. They were, and it, it was it was actually nice to spend time in the in the company today. So I think they've added well in terms of in terms of that. Uh, 
and they've they've joined the squad. Which listen, you've got Martin Dubravka, you've got Sam Maximum Almir, you've got good players there. So mm. let's not forget that. Mm. Mark, do you think these players are going to take us on, or do you think it's going to be more of the same? Like last season wasn't a disaster from the perspective that we're in the expected relegation battle ever really since we got out of it after the win against Man United or, or West Ham. Like where, where do you see us at the minute heading into this new season? Are you thinking, you know what, this is actually a team and a squad capable of, of pushing the top 10? Or do you think, you know what, they're actually, if, if Steve Bruce has finished, finishes 13 on 46 points mm-hmm. come May next year, assuming there's no breaks or pandemics yeah. again, um, <coughs> he, he'll still be getting the same kind of credit that he, w- that he was last season? I think, as Craig alluded to before, it, there's no excuses now. He's been given, what, two windows. He's been given a full year as manager of Newcastle. Um, and as I said earlier, it, it, it went pear-shaped for me towards the back end of the season. Four wins and 21, was it, at the end? And in a cup run, which for me, papered over too many cracks. And let's be honest, we're, we're never ever going to beat Manchester City. So we'll get in the quarter-final of the FA Cup. It's only good on paper. It meant nothing overall. Um, but regarding the signs, yes, I think individually, I think it's... Um, the, the, the better than who we've got, um, particularly, as Craig mentioned, the striker. Um, and I, I looking at the, the footage on, on how, how they play together, it looks as if they've got a good little combination going there, um, Fraser and Wilson. It looks as if Wilson's everything, Joe Linton's not. He's got good uh, running off the ball. He's got a little bit of uh, quickness about him. Um, and looking at the, the variation of goals, um, you know, you can head, you're two-footed, uh, you can take free kicks. And uh, he's a penalty taker as well, so he's everything Joe Linton's not, which is which is an improvement straight away. Um, <laughs> we, we know we're not going to get much out of Andy Carroll as much as I would love to uh, see Andy Carroll score goals and be you know be a lot more productive than he was last season. Um, because I, I I was chuffed when we signed Andy Carroll. I, I really really thought he had unfinished business at Newcastle. Um, but that's not to say we shouldn't be still trying to get another forward you know in because. There's talk of trying to, um, we'll maybe looking at uh, show Muto the door. And someone tweeted the day saying, oh, we don't need to replace my fourth, my fourth uh, number four strike. I went, hang on, hang on, we haven't even got a two or a three at the minute. You know, because as I say, we don't know how much we're going to get out of Carroll. But but yeah, I think overall, um, as I said before, I'm, I'm optimistic regarding the, the, the quality of the players that are coming in. Craig's obviously getting to know them as characters and you you need the likes of uh, Richie still around for me in, in the dressing room. Uh, motivate us instead of people who are going to cause problems. Um, in the fullback, you know, Lewis, I th- I, from what I've seen, he's, he's obviously got a, a little bit more development for, for the actual defending part of his game. But getting um, bombing forward as a wing back, he, he looks he looks very very promising. Um, but it's interesting, you know, the players who might be getting loaned out this year, and it's it's such a shame that it doesn't seem to have happened to him over the last couple of seasons. There's an argument to say that maybe he's went backwards under Bruce, but ultimately he only started four games last season. But then you look at Shaw, is a replace for, for Shaw on this team, where last year you wouldn't have been surprised if he was, you know, sold for 20 to 30 million to a, to a you know, cliched top six team. But to answer your question, um, there's a little bit more strength and depth. Still need more bodies in for me. Um, if we finish one place higher and one point better off than this season, uh, well, last season, then that's progression. But it depends what we're, what our targets are, you know, are we going to be realistic um, or we're going to have that little bit more ambition where we do want to break in the top 10? And I would, I would love, um, as Craig mentioned before, if, if there is talk of top 10 around the club, then that's brilliant. That's what we'll want to hear and, and it, then it's over to Steve Bruce and the team. I still think, I used that word before, I still think the squad, while it has improved, it's still fragile because, yeah. you know, you, you scratch beneath the surface. So in key areas, I mean, goalkeeper, for example, 
They're going to start the season with Carl Darlow in goal for what looks like the first five, six, seven games. Yeah. Now, that to me will make a difference. You, you cannot underestimate the impact Martin Dubravka had last year and the difference he made in terms of points. I think without Dubravka, you probably are. You know, you, you're bouncing around 17th, 18th, as opposed to what was in the end relative comfort in 13th place. Uh, and I touched on it before as well. If you, you said there that Callum Wilson's coming in and he's an improvement on Joe Linton. Callum Best would be an improvement on Joe Linton. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just think, and listen, I upset one or two people at the club last year when I wrote an article about Joe Linton being the, one of the worst pound-for-pound signings in recent Premier League history. But something I stand by, listen, it was 40 million quid. I mean, good. I, I still cannot get, and people I talk to around the club, cannot get their head around how they ever sanctioned £40 million pound for, for Joe Linton. Listen, I was the first one, the first to sit down and interview him. He's a nice lad, he's, he's a lovely lad, and I wish it had worked out for him, but there's just not a player in there. There's not there's not a nastiness about him. There's no aggression in his body. Yeah. He's so languid and lazy. Fine, Steve Bruce keeps on going on again today about him being a lovely kid, and I'm sure he is, but lovely yeah. kids don't make good footballers. And while we all want it to work for him, I think it's almost a, a, an experiment. You've really got to call time on him. Whether that you cop a £40 million pound loss, I don't know, but... Yeah. Uh, I just don't think it's going to going to work. Then it worries me to a degree that if Wilson, who has had two bad knees, fingers crossed, he's passed all that, has had a little bit of an ankle complaint during the summer. If any of that goes, you're very quickly back to to, to Joel Linton. Is is the talk of any other strikers? No, not not that I know of. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, you, we spoke to Steve the day. He said that might not be us done in terms of in terms of business, but I think they're probably looking at a centre half because you've got Clark still injured. You've got Shaw only just coming back. Yeah. Uh, you've got Lejeune, who's going to go out. You've got Dummett, who's one of the, the uh, who can cover there, who's, again, injured. So I think, really, if you, he, his priority at the moment will be getting another another centre-back in. I think, uh, just uh, before we move on, I think um, the interesting thing at the moment is, under the normal uh, Mike Ashley regime, you would expect something around the corner on a negative side. You would expect, I don't know, a £50 million bid for St. Maximum to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or Lascelles would eventually get get sold, or the keeper. You know, and I think at the moment it's it's you're still not as much as we used to, but you never know with Mike Ashley. Mm. And this is where I'm sure we'll come over to come on at the takeover in a little while. But this is where I still haven't really given up personally on the takeover because a Mike Ashley ran Newcastle United would cash in on seeing the maximum. And I don't know. Maybe it's not over until the transfer window's closed. Shall we say? Yeah, interesting about Joe Linton and the things you say there. Um, one of the things you, you, we often get asked, and you see it on social media, is what what do they do with Joe Linton? And I think they could they could do worse than send him to the championship for a season. Mm. Let him let him go and 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 face that environment in three games a week. And, and listen, if it fails, then then you know he's not good enough. Mm. Whereas you know if he gets a few goals, I mean, he, he can't play football. He's clearly not good enough at the minute for our, our side. But I I I can't see what him. You know, say Callum Wilson comes in, hopefully does great, scores goals. I think Joe Linton on the bench is, is far more attractive for me as a fan than Joe Linton on the pitch. Yeah. Mm. But I don't, you know, just just say he, he he fails to score in his first fifteen sub appearances, or he doesn't score against Blackburn in the cup. You get to Christmas and you just, you know, it's, you're even worse. It's like I keen ask you, Craig, because I think you were the one who, who who broke the story about him not being in. Well, I saw you you talk about it first about him not returning to pre season mm. training with everyone else when when you assumed that this if there was one player you wanted in early almost for pre-season mm. training, it would have been Joe Linton. So what happened there? Uh, we were, <coughs> Sorry, uh, timely cough. I mean, whether that's a clue. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, the, uh, he was in quarantine. I think he'd been he'd been to Greece. Uh, he come back. There was yeah an issue there whereby he obviously couldn't join up with the rest of the squad. So he spent two weeks in in quarantine. Uh, and as you say, that that's a that's a setback. Whether any blame is attached to the player because of that, I don't know. Because listen, there's there's been scores of Premier League players have, have gone away on holiday and come back with issues. So, uh, but yeah, he, he, if any player did need that 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 full pre-season really it probably was him and as a result he's I think he's going to start on the bench on on Saturday down at West Ham and if Callum Wilson starts well you've got to look at Joe Linton and think he's probably not going to not going to get back in only in the, the case of injury really do you think there's anything to be said Craig and I'm keen for, keen for Sean and Mark's point of view after this anything to be said for Steve Bruce here that he has achieved what all of his predecessors have failed which you've come right back to Kevin Keegan under Ashley and even Allardyce to an extent I think when he talks about his time at Newcastle mm. you know says that he, he didn't want some of the players who were brought in and he had much loftier ambitions do you think he has somehow managed to change the way that they approach transfers in the squad building that no other Newcastle manager and Ashley has because that, that's what people are saying I think you've got to look beyond one window I think in the isolation of this window uh, they've they've backed him but I also think it was a case of time was tight on the back of the takeover. And it was almost a case of Steve had presented these targets who were, were good targets, were viable, uh, were, were, were gettable. And it was a case of, OK, let's go. Given a longer period and more exposure to the previous strategy of the club, Steve might not have got his way. But I think when the takeover collapsed in the middle of August, it was a case of, OK, right, OK, what have we got? Steve, who have you after? Who have you spoken to? It's right, I've done this, I've done that. Let's go with that. We asked Steve today, actually, if he'd spoken to Mike Ashley prior to today, in between the, the, the collapse of the takeover and today. And he said no, so Steve Bruce hasn't persuaded Mike Ashley to, to change his policy. I just think the deals which he's presented made a lot of sense. And listen, people are saying the ball players without selling value. Well, Ryan Fraser's a 26-year-old on a free, so if he does really well, there probably is still a degree of selling value there. Jamal Lewis is is classic Ashley in terms of that model. There's only really Wilson at 28 uh, with a little bit of a suspect injury record for £20 million, who deviates from that. But because it was so desperate, I, I don't think we can read too much into what's happened in the past few weeks. I think you've got to applaud the club for getting it in. You've got to applaud Steve Bruce for identifying these targets and perhaps doing a little bit of work in the background to persuade the players and the representatives this was the, the right move for them. And I will say all three signings today spoke really well of Steve, which is a which is a positive. But before we start saying there's a shift in club policy and Mike Ashley's thinking, let's just press pause on that because it comes back to what I said at the very start. Without these signings, his asset, and this is the way he thinks, his asset was in grave danger of having millions shaven off it by a, by a relegation fight. They've done what they needed to to protect that asset. As it happens, one or two have deviated from what would normally be Ashley signings, but mm-hmm. one of them was on a free, so... Uh, in, in, in Jeff Hendrick but uh, yeah let's let's wait and see let's see what January and next summer brings in that regard you're, you have to get your in full agreement there Mark you? I totally agree there um, I think you've got to judge him on his next window um, as well you know I think as Craig's rightly said you know it, it, the Wilson one's only the one what you could say goes against the normal Ashley Green shall we say but you mentioned mentioned Allardyce there um, I think he was probably the last one who was allowed to buy who, who he wanted if you think about um the players who come in, they were all, the majority were towards the end of the career and they were put on bumper wages, weren't they? And the majority were disasters, probably apart from what Enrique and Barton to a certain extent. But the rest Joey were. Joey Barton, who ended up in prison within six months. Well, well yeah. But, um, Newcastle legend, though. Well, <laughs> well, well yeah, I think he had one good season, didn't he? But, but, but yeah, I think, um, 
you know, as Craig rightly says, that the, the fallback you could turn around and Wilson and uh, Lewis could you could turn around in two years' time and double your money on him. It's it, it's it just all depends on what, what's going to happen. And, and are Newcastle now going to change strategy as a football club under Ashley and try to progress? Because ultimately, that's not what what we what we used to under under Ashley. You know, and, and I've written a bit teen up the season as well on Ashley and. He's at a real crossroads in his ownership here because, and we might come on to this in, in due course, there's not a buyer there. There's not. Mike Ashley's the owner and let's all just go forward on that on that, that, that premise. Uh, without, a, without a buyer, he, he is the owner and he's, he's got a plan for that. He's got to make a decision. What does he do? Does he, does he withdraw still further and does he become even more Mike Ashley than ever? Uh, and it's a case of minimum input with the hope of maximum return, which is just keeping your, your club in the Premier League? Or does the penny drop and does he say, you know what, why not at least let's attempt to fulfil the potential of this club, be that whatever that may be? We don't know yet. As I said just before, that, I don't think there's enough evidence of the past two weeks to, to determine one way or another. But he's certainly got, in my mind, a decision to make on what he wants to do with the football club going forward because there is no buyer, there is no takeover. Mm-hmm. I would be so surprised if this was like, he would have to have been visited by three ghosts to me <laughs> for the, him to have just been like, you know what, let's fulfill the potential of this club. Like, that's outside the realms of my imagination. Um, but I can see your point, Craig, on, on that, that his, he's protecting his asset here. Mm. We, he, 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 he is you know, if the, there's no buyer now, but say, you know, in a year or two years there is, and that's a 350, you know, that's a third of a billion pounds. If we're in the championship, it's considerably less, considerably less. So I can see that argument much stronger for me mm. than than the sort of huge change of heart. Let's really fulfill our potential. But you know what? It, uh, for me as a fan, I don't really mind what his... his um, driver is here if if we're buying good players and, mm. and we end up you know with a good season that's okay yeah it's it's interesting I think I'll I'll go against the grain slightly here and say that although I, I kind of agree broadly with what with what you've all said there you know if you look at another close friend of yours Craig Steve McLaren you know he <laughs> asked for an experienced Premier League striker and they got him a mental 20 year old from Serbia who, who <laughs> wasn't good enough and like, <laughs> it is good you know well, you know, I mean, Wilson has to play a game first and score a goal and, and actually be a success. But the, the the people who Bruce works with do have form for being in this exact same situation, exact same situation, disastrous second half of a previous season, and just still thinking we know best, still thinking Europe's the way to go, still thinking twenty year olds who, or you know, one of the lads today in our WhatsApp group were talking about this exact point about McLaren. And you know he wanted a he wanted an experienced centre back, so the bottom Chancellor member, like which which in you know with the benefit of hindsight, it, it you could see that season going disastrously wrong. So there's either a little bit of Bruce doing better, or and I, I know people wouldn't like me saying this, there is a little bit of the club very slightly learning from previous mistakes, and there were there were really bad mistakes, there were like catastrophic mistakes that set the club back. Uh, a number of years in terms of the last last relegation. You touched on the takeover there though. Craig, I mean, we've talked about lots on the show. It, it mm. seems to have come to a, a conclusion. I think a lot of people still want to hear from Amanda Stavely a little bit and, you know, it, let us know if it's not happening. Um, people take the silence as, you know, confirmation things are going on, whatever. How was it for you to cover? Because we went through it all the previous summer, BZG Group, and it just seemed from the very start, and I'll include myself in this 100%, that it was just a, a, a done deal 
we're going to be under, under new mm. owners. How was it for you to cover as a journalist seeing that kind of slow erosion of hope across the summer? Terrific. Honestly, it's, they're awful stories to cover. They, they, they really are because uh, they're just there the entire time. You can never really switch off. In a, it's, a, it's all consuming, really, and you're being told so many different... There's a version out... For whatever you want to believe, there's a version out there for you because the information from so many different sources is so conflicting that whatever you want to believe, you can go and, go and present that. And ultimately, you've got to sort of whittle down the sources and the voices and the, uh, the, the source of information to determine what works for you and what you, what you really believe to... To be true, uh, it wasn't enjoyable to cover, uh, not whatsoever. Uh, and going back to the very start, the one thing about takeovers, in a lot of people were speaking to journalists. In I've always this has always been my rule of thumb on takeovers. If you want to buy a football club, if you want to buy Newcastle United, with all due respect to myself and my colleagues, don't talk to us. You don't need to talk to us. Why on earth are you briefing us daily? Why can I pick up the phone at any time of the day and get through to the guys who are who are speaking for Staving or speaking for the Saudis? It's great. Hey, listen, I, I prefer if it if it was that way. But it, it, there's always that nagging doubt if you're talking to us guys that it's just something not quite. And from the very start. I had a, a, an uneasy feel about this. Listen, that that did disappear over time, and there was a point towards the very end of June where I really did change my mind. I thought, hold on a minute, this is happening, and uh, it was the information actually from guys who were who were in opposition to the takeover, who had been very good in terms of their their supply of information throughout, and subsequently, with hindsight, a lot of it was proven to to be accurate, and they're on the money. Uh, they said at the end of June, this is this is happening. He said, we've almost admitted defeat here, and this has got nothing to do with a Premier League football club being taken over. This is high-level government. This is uh, this is lobbying in the back channels. This is about investment in the UK economy at a time when it desperately needs it. And the Premier League are trying to find a way. The, the Premier League had every reason to block this very early on, I think, when the, uh, the, the, the piracy issue uh, came to light. The Premier League have let this go on and on, and I think they are trying to find a way to, to make this happen, to get it through. And subsequently, we found out the offer of arbitration, which would have been an avenue to perhaps getting edging towards that. Uh, I don't know. But every time we got close, and I think every journalist would would agree on this, towards that last week in June, the information from all sides was, this is, this is going to happen, from buyers and from those in opposition and people close to the club and Premier League and all the rest of it. Every time we got close, within 48 hours, there was some bonkers statement out of Saudi Arabia, which just sort of set everything back, and you thought, hold on a minute, this something's just not adding up here. In in time, certain sources have said that they think there was a, a little bit of a split, perhaps, on the on the Saudi side. Not in terms of those who are directly connected to the deal, because I think they, they definitely want it to happen, but I think there was perhaps influence elsewhere in Saudi, whereby they, they, they got cold feet on it, and if you read the statement which dropped uh, on the day the takeover collapsed, now, that statement read in conversations I had on the day as if this was just no longer financially viable. It was no longer economically viable because of because of COVID. So even if 24 hours later, the Premier League had turned around and said, hold on a minute, guys, honestly, all a misunderstanding. Uh, yeah, no, the takeover, you, you have passed owners and directors test, let's go. Well, if you went back in... in Reference that statement. There was no takeover to be done. They'd pulled out because they, they no longer thought it was a, a, a viable proposition in light of the, the global pandemic and all the rest of it. And uh, I just thought what happens in the in the wake of that, in we spoke about this briefly before we came on air, and uh, Amanda Stavely reached out to yourself, and I thought the work you guys did was, was fantastic. It was a real victory for supporter power. I also think in... <laughs> by virtue of the Premier League granting you the audience they did, which was fantastic, the Premier League had something to say, and the Premier League have still got a lot more to say. 
in terms of the actual truth yet. And I don't think us as supporters, as journalists, as uh, as whatever, know the know the full truth on this. I still think there's more there, and the Premier League have got more to say. Uh, I was just disappointed because I'd, I'd asked this question earlier in the in the process. I said. Will COVID-19 have an impact on this takeover? Is there a risk, the longer this goes on, that the Saudis could pull the plug on this? Absolutely not. You don't buy Newcastle United for 2020. You buy Newcastle United for the next 10 years. Okay, that's that boxed off. They are fully committed to this deal. But just over time, I, I began to doubt that. And certainly towards the end, the, the word coming out was that there's the, the, the something just that wasn't, wasn't right. This wasn't going to happen. And when it collapsed, I think to, to a few of us, it was a massive disappointment, a huge disappointment. I think we'd all bought into it and were very excited by it and uh yeah and listen credit to Stavely in that I think she genuinely did bring the money to the table this time I don't think she did in 2017 I think she used the press as a a vehicle for a come on for investment which never really happened this time she did bring the Saudis uh but they clearly hadn't really done the the due diligence in terms of the the roadblocks that, that could present themselves and a lot of sources have said that what was really harmful was the leak to the Wall Street Journal in January. Uh, now, I've got a good idea where that, where that, I'll not say where that came from, but it certainly was harmful because it, rather than shine, it, it did two things. I think it achieved what it perhaps wanted to, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here, surmising here. It achieved what it wanted to in terms of it galvanised the, uh, the supporter base and it got fans right behind the takeover, generated a lot of excitement and it worked in one regard. Mm. On the other side of the coin, it also shone a light on things that probably didn't need to be in the public domain and ultimately over time proved detrimental and fatal to, to the takeover process. Yeah, not the, not, the, uh, not the most fun podcast so far, is it? <laughs> uh, well, fun to do, fun to record, but uh, yeah, it's it was just such a sad story. Like like Craig said, it, it was horrific. It's uh, the support tearing itself apart. You still see the aftermath these days. You still see people with uh, social media attacks on the on the Premier League and sponsors. And I just don't think that's unless we do get information from the Premier League or from whoever, mm. or unless the takeover happens. I just think that's here to stay for a, for a very long time. And I think. I worry that every time we lose a game this season, you know, or every time we get a hammer in or if we go in a run, it's always got the, the finger is going to be pointed by some fans, not by all, at people outside of the football club. And I think, you know, you, you made a, a great point before, Craig, that these new signings do help us move on a little bit. Close the door to a yeah. degree, don't they? They do. It's still uh, a job, but yeah, to a degree they do close the door on that. We'll crack on though and talk about football again. Mark, I think in recent years, um, well, Nearly every season, in fact, we start. We tend to start horrifically. Mm-hmm. Even in the championship, we lost our first two games. Yeah. We start horrifically. It's funny. Um, I put something on Twitter the other day, saying, "You know, everyone's this excited. Our pre-seasons con- consisted of losing to two championship teams quite comfortably, <laughs> not not scoring a goal." Um, uh, you know, we, I think the signings are great. We do this every year. We only get them in last week before the season starts, so they don't have any time to play with teammates. And, do the rest, but do you think, Mark? This uh, this is a, a golden opportunity for Bruce, considering that four of the first five games, and I'd even include Spurs away. It's not what it was as a as a daunting fixture. Don't get us wrong. Mm-hmm. Not expecting to rock up and get three points again. But do you think this is an opportunity for Bruce to to really, if we're going to be any good this season, do you think we'll know it by the end of September, considering the fixtures we've got? Maybe a little bit earlier, uh, early to say from September, but but certainly, I mean, d- d- I don't look into the, the preseason fixtures with much. Uh, Conviction with a win or or, or it was Christ I remember back 
uh, when I was a kid, 88, 89, we um, went to Sweden. We used to go to Sweden all the time under Willie Macfall, <laughs> and we used to play Swedish second-rate second teams. We beat them 12-13 nil, and we, we, we were relegated off, on, literally from the first game. We okay. went down at, at Everton, I think we went 1-0 uh, down to Tony Cotty after 30 seconds, and that was it. The season was a disaster. So you, you, you cannot really, you can't judge it early, but give them time. Um, I think Bruce is going to be fortunate again because by the sound of it, there's going to be no supporters there, so you can't get any abuse. Um, he didn't get much abuse last season, to be fair, though. When fans were in the ground, they, they never turned they never, they never turned, but based on the fact, that, as I said before, the, the running from, what, what was it, Boxing Day onwards, um, any other period of time if there wasn't a, you know, a pandemic and... Um, the supporters were allowed in. The, the supporters would have changed. They would have had enough. Yeah, of, for I the think. Football. I think that in the last bit of project restart with how bad the football was and yeah. how bad the results were, I don't think that he would have got off scot free if, if supporters hundred percent. And it and it, w- and it would have been, you know, uh, yet again, it would have been the Newcastle supporters are deluded. Uh, you know what, what they're having to go with Steve Bruce for? Look, look, he's he's got he's, he's trying to do his best job with his hands behind his back and hands tied behind his back. And, and sometimes you feel like you can't win as a supporter. But moving forward, yes, hundred percent agree. He's 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 building his own team now. If you look at the the, the lineup, that's potentially going to be his, his regular team. You've got to see at least five or six of them are his players. Um, you know, all players that have been bought. They say he didn't have the final on Saint Maximum and, and Julian and whatnot. But whatever. If <laughs> this is where I, I, I digress a bit because it, it, when they're good, it was Steve Bruce was saying, when they're not good, <laughs> had nothing to do with them. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Certainly from, from the end, end of this month, early October, we'll get an idea of how we're going to... Look, it's going to be interesting how, how are we going to line up, what's going to be his um, his his tactics, what's what's going to be his, his starting eleven At the minute, obviously the goalkeeper aside, um, we, don't really, we don't really know who's going to be a, a definite a definite starter. I mean, for me, Lejeune is our best centre-half, but as I said before, he's lost his way. Injury at the moment. Um, I, I don't know, mate... I, but as I said earlier, I think I'm a lot more positive about going into the season, albeit with Steve Bruce's manager, than, than I, I certainly was last season. So, we should see. Charlotte, you seem to be the most optimistic out of everyone. So how do you see it going? Do you think this these opening fixtures are a, a real gift and you know pre- present us with a great opportunity to be going into kind of the middle of the season with a bit of uh, a bit of momentum? rather than constantly looking over our shoulder like we normally are come end of September, October? Um, I'd like that to be the case, yes. I I don't know if it's optimism or stupidity, but um, maybe it's both. Um, I would like to see, yeah, I think we have opportunities here. I think that we've you know strengthened the squad a bit. Um, we've talked about that that's probably not good enough, but I think... Um, I think we have an opportunity here in Steve Bruce. I think he's going to want to, um, as you say, we've done so badly at the beginning of the season for the past, you know, X number of seasons. I think he's going to want to kind of um, come out guns blazing a little bit. So I'm going to say yes, that this is a golden opportunity um, mm-hmm. that we're all going to get. I don't, I'm not going to say we're going to win our first like three fixtures because I just don't think that that is going to happen. But um, I think it's a really good opportunity for us to see our new players bedding in, um, seeing what works, and um, and uh, and hopefully being able to take some momentum, like you say, and um, see seeing what works and taking that forward into the into the sort of October November time. I don't think it's going to be ages without a win. That's that's my prediction. 
like yeah, yeah well that'll be an improvement so we'll take that <laughs> well, one thing which i think not a lot of people are talking about and understand why is the league cup presents a, a really good opportunity we've got blackburn and the winner of a tie between two league two teams win both those games which you should win those games as newcastle um you're two games away from a semi-final two wins with you so it's like yeah it, that that's really positive you wanted to interrupt yeah i do yeah um i was just wondering if there was you've uh craig said that there was a uh, press conference with um steve bruce today was were, were cut runs mentioned at all i know that last season it was a really big put that uh, we're going to make an effort on those like mm. um i wondered if that was the same or are we just going to be focusing on the premier league no we, we, we didn't today was more about addressing the sort of a backlog of issues where's right. joe linton being have you spoken to mike ashley uh who's injured who, who's not injured are you bringing any more signings in all the rest of it so we didn't address that today we will in due well very quickly in terms of uh, monday we'll probably sit down with them and and look ahead of the League Cup. So, listen, I imagine we'll have the same sound bites in terms of we'll go as far as we can, we'll play a team to win the game, all the rest of it, blah, blah, blah. Let's let's take four games to be two League One teams, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, see, and see where we go. The, listen, I think they bounced through in the Cup last year to a certain degree, but yeah. uh, I don't think it was a change in policy uh, per, per se. Uh, but yeah, as Alex said, the opportunity is there, absolutely. And... Uh, it just showed in terms of last year. It just retained that level of interest, didn't it? The, the mm. cup run with the season, which was which was largely largely dead. So yeah, I think Joe Linton's good against League One sides, so we could yeah. in front of them. Let's hope that we get could one. Be his um, yeah. in replays. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> good against League One sides. Yeah, yeah. But we just round. have to lose. But there aren't any replays this season. Are no, there? that's a good oh, point. Yeah, you can't get a break, can he? Um, <laughs> for me, I'm going to be. I'm going to be a little positive. I think the the kind of to use a bit of a wanky word, the ceiling of what this team could achieve has gone up massively in the last week. You know, if if if, if I mean, it's a huge if. I just said if three times because it's such a big if. If we keep players fit in key positions, which we, we haven't even in free season. Yeah. If if a team with a spine of like. Dubravka, Lascelles, Hayden, and Wilson, and Hoyen, Almiron, <laughs> Maximan. If they if they play thirty five games, all of them, I think we could push on towards the top ten. It's like you said at the start of the show, Craig. There is there is some potential there. That, that there are players in there who can hurt other Premier League sides, and we know they can. We've seen them do it. Yeah, you know, we'd like to see them do it more often. One of the things we're not really talking about because it's hard to surmise this without knowing the future is. Is Bruce going to change the way the team is set up? Because last season we were set up disastrously for a lot of the season. We played without the ball. We got worse defensively, despite defending far more. We, like you said, we relied on the goalkeeper. That, that to me, um, isn't a realistic approach for this season. I really hope that he knows that. And what one of the most disappointing things last season is he seemed to have cracked that. We're so bad at Palace and Arsenal, and had been for months. He, he ditched the three centre backs. Came back to uh, back four, and I think we took twelve points from the next five games or something. It was our best run of the season, and then for whatever reason, injuries or form or players, for the end of the season we didn't win a game. Um, it was back to the back to the old terrible formation. So, you know, like this is why the start of the season is so interesting. It's not like a couple of seasons ago, or it's not like you've got three of the top five like McLaren did in his first five games. We've got West Ham, Brighton, Burnley, three of the first four, and you think. We, we we could win those three games. I know, yeah. like it's not you know it's not ridiculous to suggest Newcastle should go into those games with these players and have a right good go at them them teams because it's a fantastic opportunity. But 
I don't know. You said there was a lot to get through today. Was there any mention of, of his approach or how he was going to use these players, or was it is that all just kind of no? Let's see what happens. N- not really, no. But but going back to to last season as well, without going over it too much, and I think I touched on this earlier. My my frustration to a degree was that the it was this excuse that was coming out all the time that these players are pre-programmed because of what Rafa did. Yeah, they weren't right. pre-programmed to be bad. Yeah. They weren't pre-programmed <laughs> to pass the ball to the opposition. They weren't pre-programmed to have no shots on goal. They weren't pre-programmed to concede a load of shots on Ryan Martin Dubravka. And it was just this narrative that was being spun about everything going back to, to the previous season with Rafa Benitez. And I just thought, no, come on, just that's just not true. That's just not right. That's doing an actual disservice to these players. Uh, but to be fair to Steve... In time, I, not, I don't know whether he realised that, but something he changed in time, around the time of the, the, as you say, the 12 points from five games, it had clicked. I think he was getting some maximum into a position on the ball where he could hurt teams rather than just being a, a, a running back who took the ball from right back and won a throw-in, yeah. a la Juan Escutierrez. It's a position where he could hurt players. Almiron all of a sudden had a slight change of position in, in, in everything, everything changed around that. And I think he's got to look at what worked from last season and try and tap into that again. This because they're not bad players, listen, they're not. There's some good players there. And there was in my, my big frustration with that in the first half of last season was I thought that there was a, a, a lot of mistruths being spun about how limited that team were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll touch on it since we're getting to the end of the show. You know, your relationship with Steve Bruce, it's well documented from anyone who follows you on Twitter or reads your stuff. Um, that you haven't always been, you know, best pals with him. And mm. you were you were one of the few probably to make those kind of points you've just made there last season. And it didn't go down well with the club. You know, how was your relationship with him now? And do you want to touch on what happened just on the return to football and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, listen, the relationship is, is fine now. We've agreed. Listen, there's a lot of shit going on in the world the past six months. We'd all agree. And I think... Me and Steve, had, the relationship had got to a point whereby it wasn't very good and he, he didn't want me coming to games towards the back end of last season, which I didn't agree with, didn't like, still don't agree with. But uh, we sort of kept quiet about that at, at the time and just sort of got on with it. But it was on the agreement that we'd, we'd come back in this year and, and there I am there today. And listen, I think we, it, it's, it's a clean slate now. And I think to, to give him credit... Uh, after two or three games last year, I really thought that what they were going down. I thought they were in trouble. I just didn't like what I saw. I didn't like what I what I was hearing, uh, and he didn't. He kept them up comfortably. For that, he deserves credit. And I think the one thing the one thing he did was he never lost he never lost the players. And I thought there was two or three junctures last season where I thought they're gone now. They're gone. He's going to lose them here. They're going to embark on losing runs. And every time they the, the, the pulled a result out, none more so than Manchester United at home. Uh, in the wake of the Leicester game, because all of my early season coverage built up towards that Leicester game. In the Leicester match, I thought, this is everything I've been telling everyone for the past five or six weeks here. It all came together in that game. On the back of that, he had the result against Manchester United. He had that great little run around Christmas. And they never knew when when they were beaten. And they always played to the end, be that for him or for each other. Uh, and there was ample opportunity last season where they could have they could have folded, and they didn't. And he kept them up comfortably, uh, he was very cute. He was very clever in terms of identifying the players and the key characters who could create that that, that atmosphere and that spirit in the dressing room. And it was no surprise to see the likes of John Joe Shelby and Matt Ritchie be rewarded with new contracts. Not so much in terms of because uh, again that went against probably club policy in terms of their age and their their resale value. But Bruce was clever in terms of that. I think uh, he deserves credit for identifying the targets he has done this summer speaking to them before they signed and, and persuading them to come here. Uh, and listen, me and him start this this season with a, with a clean slate, hopefully, and I would 
I would love to be going into games really, really wanting the team to win and seeing the team playing well. I was just, last season, I felt as if I was, I was almost banging my head against a brick wall a bit because there was this myth for me that Steve Bruce was getting battered in the press. And he wasn't. He really wasn't. I think he got a... I thought I was saying at times what what you guys what, what were seeing yeah. and what my, my, my friends were seeing. I was thinking... And it was driving me crazy to agree because at times I was thinking, hold on a minute, why isn't everybody else writing this? Why isn't everybody else saying that? And certainly in the... the and I think last year... Last, was, Newcastle was strange last year because you had to be there week in, week out and you had to watch them week in, week out and you had to immerse yourself in everything around it to really appreciate how bad it was at times. If you just looked at a league table and a result on a Sunday morning, you could paint an entirely different picture of what was happening at Newcastle United in several high-profile pundits did that, by the way. Some of the claims they came out with were just ludicrous. And in the end, it was detrimental to Steve, and it did Steve no favours, because every time in the wake of, what was it, four victories after Christmas, you had this outpouring of, of, of praise for, for Steve, manager of the year, this, that, and the other. You're eating humble pie now. Wasn't he brilliant all along? And what that created was a backlash from supporters who, probably like myself, were sat there thinking, no, that this just isn't true. This isn't right. Come on, let's find some middle ground here. But what you had was extremes. Extremes of praise when they when they won yeah. and extremes of, of criticism when supporters had that chance to, to pounce on it. The truth was probably in the end, somewhere somewhere in the middle. Listen, it, it, I mean, it still wasn't good last season. I still think they they, they cheated it, fudged it to a, to a degree, got a little bit lucky in, in terms of some sort of key matches and results, which just took them away from safety. But to go back to my point, Steve never lost the players. He proved me wrong in keeping them up comfortably. And we go into this season now, in terms of going back to my relationship with him, with a clean slate, uh, I wish him all the best. I think he's brought in some good players. The players there already there currently like him. The new signs clearly like him from what I spoke to today. And listen, let's hope for once, you know, we're, we're seeing good football and we're seeing results. And let, let's see where it takes us. I really mean that, I do. Nice one. Okay, so we're going to put everyone on the spot now. Mm. Mark, I'll start with you. Where, where are we going to finish this season and why? Mm-hmm. We're going to finish... I think we're going to finish literally where we were last season. <laughs> I, I cannot see that much of an improvement. Um, Will you be happy with that? I suppose you've got to be. If you're not in a relegation battle, then you've got to be, because this is Newcastle United under Mike Ashley. And uh, as we mentioned before, the players who who have come in are, are improvements, but Steve Bruce has got to get the best out of them. He's got to make Newcastle United, as, as we've all discussed tonight, He's got to get Newcastle United playing better than what they did last season, winning more games than last season. Um, a cup run would be a bonus, but realistically, it, you know, if we, if we are accepting defeat on the takeover, and uh, it is my Ashes Newcastle United, then it would be nice to go into January, not desperate for signings. Um, but to answer your question, I, I'm thinking around about same points, same position as, as last season, unfortunately. And the season before. Well, this is it. This is it. And that's <laughs> one thing That's one thing I, I want to interject earlier regarding that because that's one thing what Craig and uh, Steve have drew a line under, um, you know, issues in the past. We've got to draw a line. Everyone's got to draw under, a line under the uh, comparisons with Rafa. He's gone. <laughs> it's been well over a year now. The only comparison now moving forward is Steve Bruce compared to last season. Mm-hmm. That, Good that, point. That's it. Yep. Steve Bruce versus Steve Bruce. Well, how will one of the Steves get on this year then, <laughs> Charlotte? Current Steve. Um, I'm going to go 
ever so slightly more positive, but not much more. I think um, 11th or 12th, maybe. I'm going to go 11th. Um, and I would be happy with that. But um, sort of what Craig was saying and, and what Mark was saying, only if the football's better, only if it's, you know, if there's a notable improvement, only if we're not crippled by injuries, like, all season. I mean... Injuries is key to really good points. It's, it, it's, been, it, it's been terrible that last season. I know that <clears throat> Project Restart and that that crush of games was um, a, a contributor, but, I mean, if you if you think about other teams had the same amount of games and the same crush and didn't have as many injuries as us we have a problem with that and that that needs to be addressed if we're if it is and you know and we we are conditioning our players better um and we're seeing better football on the pitch we're seeing more i, I think steve bruce um has a little bit of like in-game management to do he doesn't really do a lot of that i, I don't see him reacting very well to what's going on the pitch on on the pitch I would like to see a little bit more of that, um, and um, and and yeah. So if 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 all the if all my boxes are checked there, then yes, I will be happy with eleventh. I think that would be a nice result for us and something to build on going into the next season. Mm-hmm. Said yeah. injuries was something Steve referenced twice today as well, and I think I think that is key because if you lose, I've said this what three or four times already now, but if you lose Callum Wilson, then you're back without a centre forward basically. Uh, and the fact that Steve referenced it twice, I think they've accepted now and recognised there is an issue there with injuries. There clearly is. You've only got to look at how many players. It was bizarre. They all came back after Project Restart, fighting fit, four weeks mm-hmm. exposed, and you cast United's coaching, and they were all injured. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, it's like the longer you're, you're exposed to, to the training regime, yeah, something seems to happen to these players. Uh, and to, not to go back to the comparison with Rafa, but that was something Rafa really got right was the injuries. <laughs> uh, and I love talking to Rafa about injuries. I mean, it was boring as hell at times but it really <laughs> made sense in terms of that science and knowing exactly when you need to take a player out of a training session or out of a game all the rest of it now that doesn't really that level of detail seem to be i may be doing them a disservice but that doesn't really seem to be there with the uh the, the current regime evidenced by sam maximum probably staying on the pitch once or twice yeah. for, for for too long he's so yeah. important to the team so important so so where will they finish yeah listen if if, if, it, if injuries go by on a fairly even keel with the squad they've got the improvements they've made Quality that was already there. Uh, yeah, I think 13th, 13th, maybe it's 12th, 13th. But if that's a comfortable 12th, 13th and the football is better, yeah. then then yeah, that, that's that, that, that's progress. I think if everything clicks in Fraser, Wilson, Almira and St. Maximum are as exciting as they potentially could be as a front four, then you're probably talking 9th, 10th as a, as a realistic game. Yeah. Uh, Yes, yeah, so I think in a good. It was something you guys. Took, a good start is important as well. I think they've got a real chance for a good start. The way the way the fixtures are and supporters not being in the stadium, I think probably is a is a benefit to them in this in the in the short term. Uh, in that it might take a little bit of a bedding period, and it's never long before fans turn in these parts. As much as they didn't really turn on Steve last year, I still think everything that's happened this summer, the amount of hurt they've been through, that if it started really badly this year and fans were in the stadium, then. They might be willing to turn on Steve and the team a little bit quicker, but but no, yeah, I think they've they've improved on last year in terms of the personnel. Uh, things have settled down with the takeover. The signings have drawn a line under that, and yeah, listen, if they can be comfortably safe again and show signs of progress, as Charlotte said, in terms of the product we're seeing, because it might actually be hard to improve on results last year because results last year weren't bad. It was just 
incredible how they arrived at those results yeah. at times. <laughs> Absolutely head-scratching. Now, if I'm yeah. seeing a team who's, who's progressing and playing better football and I can see what they're trying to achieve but don't achieve the same results, now I, c- I, can, I can forgive that in a way. Uh, my issue with last season was it was just fucking bonkers how they achieved <laughs> what they did. But uh, So, yeah, progress in terms of the style of play uh, and, yeah, listen, just push towards that 10th place and I think that would be realistic and would represent definite success. Yeah. I feel completely- excited now. Yeah, ending on a positive note, and I completely re- agree with you, Craig, and, and injuries is key. I think, you know, who, who have we got to topple to get to that 10th place? Well, Southampton, Burnley, mm. Everton, yeah, they've, they've made some high-profile signings, and, that, and that's going to be tough, but they're always a bit of a basket case. Sheffield United, no reason we can't finish above those teams, and I think you'd hope that that's what has been communicated to the players from the manager, from the very top, actually, to say, you know what, we, you know, particularly from the manager, he's got what he wants. He's got his British players. He's got his British core. He's yep. got his players with experience. They've backed him. You know, compare this transfer window, bloody January, and Nabil Bentaleb coming in and mm. all that nonsense. You know, Timothy he'll never have a better opportunity at a Premier League club to, to make a real difference. Mm. And I think as a support, if all of those things that you you all reference there about you know being a little bit more attacking in games and scoring a few more goals. I think people would be delighted with that. And, and, you know, there'll always be a section of people possibly listening to this who, you know, it's Ashley's Newcastle. They're never going to accept it. And that, that's fine. But I think for people who go to games and people who are still engaged, I think it's it's progress, isn't it? And if there's, if there's some progress, and even like you said, Craig, even if it doesn't manifest itself directly to results, and you saw that with Brighton last season, you saw what happened last season. Both those supporters of those clubs ignoring Southampton's early season disaster... Were, were, were happy with the way their seasons went. They were very similar to us in terms of results and points, but they, they, they those fans feel like they're working towards something. Well, remember the Brighton game up here? Yeah. And Brighton absolutely passed Newcastle off the park, and you looked at me and you thought, that, now there's a, it wasn't a very good game, but there's a team with an And we used this word a lot, didn't we, at the start of the season? Identity. What were Newcastle striving towards? And you couldn't really you couldn't really put your finger on that. So uh, if we can see identity in the in the first few weeks of the season, then I think that's progress too. Well said. Thanks for listening. Craig, thanks for coming. It's been a pleasure to see you. No problem. Always enjoy it. And uh, yeah, we'll be back for you Sunday night after the West Ham game, hopefully with a a positive start of the season. Uh, Thanks for everyone for listening. If you could do us a massive favour if you can and leave us a positive review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if that's your chosen platform, it really helps the show. Mark, it's been good to see you too. Good to see you, mate. You've come all the way from south of the river for this one. Yeah. Um, Charlotte, thanks again. Technically so have I. Have you? Well, I live oh, you live in London. I thought you'd been at Sea Houses Day. It's north. No, it's very north. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening. Speak to you all soon. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.